We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast with a uh, special guest host, Sao Campbell. Alex is on his holidays um, and I, uh, I'm here with Ben Wade, Johnny Greenwood, and I've also got Charlotte Robson on the line to talk through a massive, massive win at Brentford away yesterday. Uh, lads, ladies, what a win, what a week. We've got nine goals in three, uh, two conceded, five wins on the bounce now, uh, three away games uh, all, almost completed, uh, three in a week, sorry. Um, is this the best one so far? Charlotte, I'll come to you first. You were there, your, your voice is hoarse. Um, how was <laughs> the afternoon at Brentford? Yeah, I'm very, I'm husky again. It was unbelievable. It was just, I mean, I hate the cliche, a game of two halves, but it very much really was a game of two halves, wasn't it? Um, Sort of despondent at halftime, thinking they're just going to exploit how tired we are here. It's just going to go south. But uh, some inspired changes and an absolutely up for it away end. I have to give the away end credit. It didn't feel... You know, it didn't feel despondent in the away end at all. It was a sunny day. Everyone was up for it. There's, I feel like we're finally allowing ourselves to have faith in the team and Eddie Howe and that this is the new Newcastle and we might be able to do something. And it's off the back of a really great week, nine points in, in three games, but we would have taken, you know, seven points out of those three games very happily. So um, just, it was just class. Brilliant. Johnny, you were also there, but you've somehow made your way back to Newcastle for this very early podcast start. How was yesterday for you, mate? It was absolutely sensational. I can't echo anything more than what Charlotte said about the away end. It was absolutely fantastic. Perfect scene in terms of the nice weather, people having a few drinks down the river and then coming back to watch Newcastle win against Brentford. But it, it was incredible. I, I, I definitely take Charlotte's point. I, I, again, that cliche of it was a game of two halves, it certainly was the first half. Could have been absolutely anything from a Brentford point of view, but I think today, I think that game yesterday shown that this team believes they can get the Champions League. This team believes that they can do something special this season. I think you look back at results like this and you go, "That was the game where it kick-started the Champions League run," because now mm. we're in a really commanding position. But I'm sure we'll go on to the game very very shortly. But in terms of the actual day itself it was absolutely brilliant my eyes I'm not gonna lie I got back in Newcastle around about 10 to 12 12 o'clock for anyone that's been to a, a casino and you go on the roulette table my eyes feel like the dice in a casino <laughs> honestly I just feel like they're all over the place but you know what it's worth it 
Nint. Um, ben, I watched this one with you. Um, I'll not, I'll not, will not tell the listeners how we might manage to watch the game on, on a live stream. But yeah, uh, we were uh, the game of two halves. Cliche is absolutely right for everyone who watched this. I think, I think we were uh, emotionally in one pang of really, really uh, frustrated and angry in the first half. Mostly the ref, to be fair, but uh, we also weren't playing well. Uh, how, how was your experience of the match yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it was. Um... It was definitely a game Eddie Howe won, wasn't it? I mean, the changes he made in the second half were um, unbelievable. Um, I, I didn't think you would make the the, the changes he did, and uh, I was delighted to to see him be so positive. And you've just got to give um, give everyone credit for for the effort. I mean, that was a really really tough first half yesterday. Um, obviously, playing against twelve men, um, the ref and well thirteen if we include the bloody bloke at uh, at the VAR. Uh, trying his best to, to to give Brentford everything but um yeah it was just a obviously quite a challenging position to be in I mean they were on top they we, we were giving them set pieces all over the shop really kind of daft um tackles flying in I mean uh I don't think anyone can argue about that that first penny there was a bit of a an absolute shambles of a of a, a goal defensively I mean Shaw in, in the first place getting kind of skinned and then and then Botman coming in wiping the kid out um wasn't great but um, kind of from that adversity we grew into the game and, and once kind of Joe Linton had dropped into midfield we just took took control and um, yeah it was a really really satisfying win to to kind of not turn up for, for 45 minutes and then just completely turn the game around kind of in a 15-20 minute spell and um, should have probably had a had a third goal in there as well had enough chances to do it but um, in in the end it kind of, you kind of came away feeling like that was actually quite a comfortable game Um over the 90 minutes and and puts us in a really, really strong position, especially against a, a Brentford team that I think they've only lost once at home all season. So yeah. that's a massive, massive statement win. And, and as Johnny says, um, the, 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 these are the characteristics of a, of a team kind of roll, just rolling um, with with all the momentum. And, and uh, we, we look nailed on for, for top four the way we're playing at the minute. And I, I don't really see um, who's going to stop us at this stage. Was this, uh, I know we've just beaten Man United and West Ham away in the same seven days, but was this the, the biggest one because of all that adversity you've kind of just described? Was this the biggest win of the three? Um, I, I, I still think the Man U one was a massive statement because obviously they are the ones directly in um, kind, of, kind of competition with us for the top four. But I think the way the game went, th- this was definitely um, potentially more satisfying because, we, I mean, the Man U game, they weren't in it where they we were absolutely wiped the floor with them it, it, it just wasn't a competition. Whereas we, we, we got a bit of a hiding yesterday in the first half. And um, I think it's more satisfying when you, you kind of face kind of what it feels like the world against you and, and then turn it around and, and manage to get the three points. Um, that it, it did fit. I think the way the game went, it felt like that was a, a huge, huge game to win because of the way everything went and everything that was going against us. So um, you can make that argument, I would say. Yeah. Uh, coming back to you, Charlotte, um, was... The, the you were there obviously and the, the atmosphere did, did it reflect in the atmosphere how big a result that was by the end what did it feel like the biggest of the three yeah. results we've seen absolutely I think so and I think you know I take Ben's point about Manchester but uh, for me that was a, a real statement when it it was it was away from home Manchester was at home and the atmosphere there was unbelievable I just I have to give credit to home and away fans over the past seven days have just been just so incredible behind this team 
But yes, definitely the mood in the away end coming from behind and and not only coming from behind, but coming from behind and and a really poor performance in the first half um, to turn it around. I think there was definitely a feeling in the away end that um, this was a very special win and it, it, it is a statement win. It, to sort of Johnny and Ben's point there, it, it does sort of... It sort of shows the the grit and the determination in this side to um, look at a game like that. I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to all the goals and all of the all of the disallowed goals. Um, but th- they sort of went ahead. Then it was disallowed. Then they went ahead, and then we just but we just weren't phased. And I do think that the the opposite um, the travelling fans weren't phase two I think they took their cues from the players on the pitch who were sort of like it's it's okay um so we felt like okay it's okay we can handle this and um yeah it was just I, I'm, I'm really struggling with words to describe how how brilliant it was yesterday in the away end Johnny over to you as well uh you were there did do you feel like it was like a, 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 the biggest of the three wins based on how that match played out yeah I think it has to be because of how the game went in the end. I think against Man United, we were dominant from minute one to minute 95, 96, whatever it was. I think yesterday was a potential banana skin, as I think it was Ben that said. I think Brentford have only lost two games at home, one of them being Newcastle now, the other one being Arsenal, mm. which was in September when, when the Queen died. So that tells you how long ago it was. And we've seen teams like Manchester United get absolutely destroyed at Brentford. We've seen yeah. Liverpool get destroyed at Brentford. You go to Brentford, it's a tough, tough game. They're on you. They just they, they don't stop, and I, I think Thomas Frank said, "No one's done what they did to Newcastle in the first half," and he's quite right. He mm-hmm. really was. He was right. It could have been two or three. I, I, I think you, you like. I think I mentioned before. You look at these results and you go, "This is the one where it starts." In terms of right now, now we're going for the Champions League. I don't think. I think it was a. I, I think it was more belief after the full time whistle today that we are, we're, we're going for this Champions League uh, uh, place now because. I think it's always been like a dream. Oh, it'd be lovely to get in the Champions League. It'd be lovely to play Real Madrid on a Tuesday night at the Bernabeu and talking on True Faith the day after about it. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think now it's it's game on. I think yeah. it's I think it will go into probably a little bit more depth. But I think it's two from three. Um, but that when that final whistle went, and when the players came over and started clapping, and it was just the, the songs were flowing at the end and. When the players left, I think you could just tell that there was like a bit more emotion at the end to go, yeah, we're up for it. Are you up for it? Because it's going to be a great six, seven weeks until the end of the season. Because we're up for, we're going to we're going to push all the way, and we've got the belief now that we're going to be in that top four. Yeah, um, I agree with all of you. I think um, you're right, Ben. All three results were massive to be to an extent. Beating Manu is huge, huge for the for the position in the league, but also just a big statement, a bit of revenge for the cup final, etc. But Winning the next two away games is a real statement. There, that's that's how you get in the Champions League. Like lots of teams will win, win a lot of home games, but get, getting six points away from home in the space of four days is huge. It's huge for the Champions League. It's huge for our kind of just status in this league. People are scared of us. People are scared for us to come there. And you're right to mention there, Brentford in the first half. There, we'll go into a bit more detail about the game after after the break. But Brentford, who normally play four three three at home. They've only set up with five at the back, away at like Man City, away at Man U, and they were at home to Newcastle yesterday, and they put five at the back, and it was it was the right decision, you know. It really frustrated us. It meant we we were taking risks and and make, being sloppy, 
and they had the best of the first half. Um, the ref helped them, but they still were the better side in the first half. Um, so the fact that we've managed to find a solution to that in the space of the 90 minutes is, is huge as well. And that's a massive statement as well. Is that no matter what teams throw at us, we are going to find a way to win these games. And that's really, really encouraging as we hit this kind of final run of fixtures where you just think, well, who's, who's going to beat us in? Because we've had everything thrown at us in the last seven days and not, we've, we've found an answer every time. So yes, massive, massive three points, massive nine points, massive 15 points. What a month we have had so far. Um, so far, well, yeah, <laughs> March and March and April. Um, so we're going to have a quick break now for some lovely adverts. If you don't want to hear these, um, you can join us on Patreon for as little as £3 a month um, to get uh, our voices without silly adverts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, lads. So, um, uh, and last, sorry, Charlotte, I keep keep um, doing that. Um, <laughs> Honorary lad this morning. We, we, we keep talking about Game of Two Halves. Um, ben, you've already alluded to it, so I'll come to you first. Eddie Howe made the changes as early as halftime. Two subs did he make. Callum Wilson came on. Um, Anthony Gordon came on. It was, it was necessary. We were struggling. Um, we'll go back to how we were struggling with the ref a bit later, but um, tell us about how that changed the game, mate. Well, I mean... You, you just alluded to it at the end there. The, the formation Brentford put out, it was just, um, I mean, Isak was so isolated in the first half. We couldn't get up the pitch. I thought um, Sharda, their striker, his pace was just calling us all sorts of problems in the defence. And it was just, we, we just didn't have any control. It was, it was. I think this was a, a worse performance, but it was kind of similar to the to the West Ham first, uh, first half where um, we just didn't kind of, grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. We didn't really get into it. Just silly fouls, giving away a lot of um, set pieces to them, which which was their kind of biggest threat. That was um, really frustrating, kind of the the number of um, dangerous positions we were giving them free kicks and, and, and the number of corners we were conceding. Um, and they caused a lot of problems. And I mean, we said it, it was surprising, really. I mean, I don't know what's happened with Newcastle's kind of defensive set pieces. Um 
kind of of, of late. I think we've mentioned it on a few podcasts where we we just seem to lose kind of so many headers and obviously the um the first disallowed goal comes from from a, a, a piece of play that obviously the penalty is one of the second penalty that um that they score from as well and um yeah it was just it was just a really really tough game i think um bringing on the the subs i mean gordon is just completely different to to, to murphy in terms of Murphy likes to play, I think we talked about it last week, likes to kind of play a little bit more infield, um, tries to kind of um, split the, the, the full back and the centre back, whereas Gordon is just an out and out winger, will give you that kind of um, width and, and pull the defenders over. And obviously with them playing three at the back, it was meaning that um, one of the centre backs was kind of have, having to kind of come out to him. And um, and, and we saw that with, the, with the, the first goal for Joe Linton, kind of Ben Mee gets caught. Um, kind of separated from the rest of the defence and, and Joe Linton brilliantly exploits it and then and then kind of goes through and, and scores. But um, I mean, the big one was was putting Isak and, and Wilson kind of up top and together and yeah. thought Wilson again was brilliant last week, was brilliant again yesterday, um, just as a completely different threat. And he just lo- he lo- just looks like a different player, doesn't he, that we kind of have seen since um, the World Cup. He, he does look kind of back back on his, on his game. He looks fit and healthy again. Um, and, and he's a real handful. I mean, he, 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 he's, he's, the strength he shows kind of to hold the ball up and then obviously mixing that with, with his axe pace and, and the pace of Gordon as well. And it just gave, we, we just had more options for, for Bruno and Joe Linton to be able to look forward and, and play forward passes, whereas we, we just didn't have that in the first half. And that was what was killing us was we were almost being strangled a bit because of the lack of options um, ahead of the ball. So yeah, you've got to give give Howe massive credit. I mean, going 4-4-2, um, against a, a five three two essentially um, was was probably quite brave, but I think it was the right decision. And <clears throat> um, I mean, obviously, it ended up with with Willick kind of playing out of position on the left, but um, we we just felt more balanced in in that. Obviously, he um, kind of likes to roam as well, anyway. So yeah, um, how how win that that game for us with with that kind of aggressive um, swap and and once we'd made that that change i mean it looked like we we're going to get more goals but obviously we have had the disallowed goal but um yeah it was a, a, a much much improved second half and um it just shows you the confidence that every single player has got and that the fact that we've, we've got a little bit of a squad now that we, we can make kind of changes like that that come on and completely change the outlook of a game yeah massively massively uh charlotte from the away end did it feel like the subs were needed as early as they were bang on half time or um were you less worried? How how was it from the from the way in perspective? It's an interesting question because I think the away end wasn't worried because it was like a good day out on the back of two wins and whatever kind of will be will be. We weren't being totally done over. You know, it was only one nil at half time, um, but yes, the subs were absolutely needed, and they were the right ones. It was just it was. I really want to kind of extrapolate on what Ben was saying about Isaac and Wilson because I spoke to my dad after the game and he was like, "Oh, I was reading some comments saying that Wilson's still not still not back to like full fully fit. He still looked a bit leggy." I was like, "No, no." All I could think about during that game and um it was during the second half, which is all I'm considering that game, um was that what a bit of comp- 
petition has done for um, Callum Wilson. He comes on, he looks hungry, he looks angry. He was like, it was almost like he was like, sorry, we're not letting Brentford beat us here. This is ridiculous. And then it allowed Isak to to drop back behind him. So it was 4-4-2, but it was almost like 4-4-1-1 um, because Isak was uh, doing those kind of wider, more roamy um, runs and and Wilson was, it was allowing Wilson to be that kind of out-and-out centre-forward that he is. Um, and then, but, but also the, the pace of Isak and getting into position allowed him to to supply him that ball for that amazing, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the goals in particular, but... That partnership was just great to see. And Howe has said before that we will see them on the pitch together. We kind of, I suppose, assume it's either or. But it's really, really encouraging. And I think the away end was totally behind it when when it became sort of both on the pitch at the same time. Let's see what we can do here. Um, so, yes, I think the subs were absolutely needed. I think it was it was the right call. We needed to change the game. We looked leggy. We weren't making any, we weren't creating anything. We'd given away two penalties. We're making stupid mistakes. And we just needed that um, freshness. We needed Gordon's kind of um, more, um, for some reason, the word, the word I want to use is like bitey football. Like, but I don't think that makes any sense. But I know what I mean. We needed his, yeah, aggression's exactly the word. It's very early. <laughs> um, But yeah, he's got a slightly more aggressive edge to him. And we just needed that. We needed Brentford to know that we are not going to stand for this. This is not what Eddie Howe's Newcastle United is about. So I just, I can't sing the praises of the substitutions enough um, of, of doing it as early as he did um, and uh, and then changing the game in the way that he did. Yeah, massive. Yeah, agreed entirely. However, when you when you said uh, that there was no concerns in the in the stands at half time and uh, that no one was worried, everyone was doing the day out. Johnny, uh, in, in the office, I know you can't see him, did sort of make a little bit of a face. So, Johnny, do you have an alternate view to how you were feeling at, at halftime? I think Charlotte's just more confident than me and more concerned <laughs> than me about, about Newcastle. You know, I think it's just the, the scars over the years But for, for, from my point of view. But no, I, I was slightly concerned because I don't know what Eddie Howe was going to do at halftime. And we were getting absolutely battered, really. And Brentford's, mm. I, I, Brentford just didn't allow us any space. If yeah. we're being honest, I think they, I think obviously we mentioned their formation being 5 3 2. Their midfield were getting on the ball. They were just stopping Newcastle from doing anything. Newcastle had were kind of almost doing what Manchester United were doing to, uh, to, to us last Sunday. They were kind of having pointless possession in a certain part of the mm-hmm. pitch and going, well, you can have it there if you want. We're not really that bothered. Try and get through us, and we couldn't. We just could not get through uh, Brentford in the first half. But I, I, I think it's more the exuberance of Gordon when he came on. I just thought he was absolutely frightening. I just think he he was just he was just brilliant. He was so on. He was so much on the forefront, and I think that it was. I think that's almost a, a subtle change that we didn't recognise. And I think we saw maybe the last ten minutes of the first half was Joe Linton being pushed into the middle because he started yeah. out on the left. And I, it, I, I, I said it the, uh, last night. I feel like Eddie Howe has twenty minutes to decide. We'll start with Joe Linton on the left. We'll start. We'll put Joe, uh, Joe Willick in the middle, and then we'll make we'll make we'll mind up and we'll see how it goes. And it was quite evident that. Joe Linton needed to be in the middle of the park because we were just getting out battled out mm-hmm. Boston. Second half, that obviously made a massive difference when it was him, uh, Joe Linton and Bruno in the middle for the predominant part of the game, but a uh, predominant part of the second half. But Newcastle United just showed that the eagerness to go out and put everything on the line in the second half. But 
um, yeah, it would. It's just, it's just the. I think it is going back to the, the original point. So, I think you just because we're, we've got so many scars of relegation battles and X, Y, and Z. And I know this is a completely different team, a completely different club, but there's still that, there's still that little, you know, thought in the back of the mind going, oh, it's, it's, it's going to go wrong again. But it's just not, and it's just mint. And I love every single second of this Newcastle United right now. No, I mean I was with you at half time. I think me and Ben were both really worried uh, when we were watching because like we were getting we were getting battered. We were looking to go in one nil um, down. Really, um, Pope's had to, had to save a pen. Now we can talk about the pen shortly, but um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I was starting to think we've run out of steam here. Um, even changing it, I'm I'm not sure what we're going to be able to do here to break down Brentford, who are just really solid. Uh, you, you talked Ben about um, Murphy liking to run in those kind of gaps between the defenders, and you're right. The five at the back just nullified that. It nullified Joe Linton. Um, and this isn't the first time that Joe Linton's been moved back in the midfield and then scored as well for Newcastle. I think maybe that's the tactic. Start him on the left, get him back in the midfield, then, he, then he'll do something for you. But L- yeah. Lulls them into false pretenses, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it just doesn't seem to work, especially away from home. Joe Linton out on the left, he's, he's a bit more... I mean, he did just score two like three days ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair, fair. But um, yeah, I think um, the, the subs obviously changed that game. Obviously, uh, you're right about Gordon. And I think um, I don't want to um, talk too negatively about the lads he took off in Longstaff and Murphy. But in the first half in particular of this game, they were quite slow moving the ball. And when you're up against a kind of five and then three, you need to move quickly. You need all your best footballers to be passing accurately, to be moving it quickly and to, to be creating space and creating chances in that way. And that didn't really happen until we took Longstaff and Murphy off for Gordon and Wilson, who are better footballers. You know, Longstaff gives you so much else. You know, he's a, he's a great athlete and his work rate's unmatched by anyone else on the team, really. But we didn't need him in that game. We needed someone who could move the ball quickly and carve out chances. We needed more more of that. And I think it was the right decision to, to take him and Murphy off at that time, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think just <clears throat> on Longstaff, I think, I mean, Johnny made the point there, the, the, the lack of space we afforded. And I mean, the, the thing with that Brentford formation, I mean, I know we're saying it was a five at the back, but actually their, their full-backs were able to fly up and kind of get on to, to the players. And obviously Longstaff plays almost as like a second wide midfielder at times. He, he, he does like to push up on that right wing. And um, just the, the, the aggressiveness of their full-backs, that was kind of nullifying him. And uh, they, they were just, they're just better athletes than, than he was. And it, he was kind of getting, um, the, the game was kind of bypassing him a bit. He, he was making forward runs, but wasn't able to get onto the end of anything because they were just faster than him and, and kind of getting there. And, and shielding it, and I, I just say again to to Hal's point. I mean, that's the first time, um, <laughs> like I, I can't. I, he, he rarely takes long stuff off, and I didn't think he would, even though kind of the it was it was a bit of an ineffectual performance from long stuff. But uh, you, again, you've got to give the credit to Hal to kind of recognise that and, and and make that the the right change and um, to to bring on essentially Wilson for 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 the centre mid. Um, when the issue is that we're getting over running midfield is, is ballsy, but it, it paid off massively, and and it was the, definitely the right the right uh, move to do, and um, it just freed everything up. So yeah, it was um, probably not the those two lads' best best games, but at the mm. same time, I mean, um, it was just a, a challenging game, and, and you've got to give Brentford a bit of credit as well that they they they'd done their homework and and they did nullify us. But I think the other one was obviously Joe Linton, as you said, Johnny. Joe Linton coming back into the midfield is a completely different animal to anyone else we've got. And he yeah. was able to just start nicking balls and and kind of get getting into them a bit more. And the number of kind of aerial challenges he won as well was, was massive as well. So, um, yeah, a few kind of subtle changes in there that um, completely changed the outcome of the game. And uh, as, as I say, you've just got to give so much credit how. 
100%. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, Charlotte's already talked about it, but the, the other key thing was, right, if you're going to play three and a half, so we're going to play two centre forwards, have have that deal, have Isaac and Wilson to deal with, and, and my God, that, <laughs> that really did make them a... Uh, it just they just looked to panic. There was a good 20, 25 minutes where Brentford looked like they could concede five in a row. Like we just kept getting in, and they just they were shitting themselves. And the ref basically gave them the the lifeline to get out. So let's move on to that now because my God, I can't imagine what it was like for you guys, Charlotte and Johnny. Um, the amount of stoppages we had when you were watching it, um, and watching the stupid camera angles, which I'm sure Ben's going to talk about because it's, it's 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 becoming a bit of a hot topic, but. There's minutes and minutes of, of stoppages where you guys must be thinking, what the fuck are they doing? Like, how long does it take? And if it takes this long, why on earth are they still looking at it? So, yeah, I mean, we have to point out the VAR was used correctly to rule out Ivan Tony's first finish uh, uh, in, the, in the first 10 minutes. Still shy there. <laughs> but, yeah, what was the first one? The first one was the uh, the, the the pen uh, for... The, the pen they missed, wasn't it? For Oh, no, no. Well, the, no the, the goal the disallowed was the first. It was, so, Tony's goal... Was disallowed first. Then oh, yeah, it was yeah. the, the, the the second the pen. Yeah, the, the first pen was Botman, and it was a clear pen. I don't think we need to talk about that too much. He he was going to get to the ball first, and he overran <laughs> it and just went straight into the player and missed the ball. Disaster and a deserved pen, but a great save from Nick Pope. Um, however, yeah. the only thing I would say on that is if you're going to like smash him like you did Botman, make sure he doesn't get back up next time. Like that <laughs> terrorizing him. I mean, he really did bulldoze through him. To be fair, like he couldn't have hit him much harder. Yeah, but actually kick the kid or something, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't just uh, swipe it. So who who wants to talk about the farcical um, use of VAR for penalty number two in that game? Johnny. Right. When I saw it live, and that was pretty, I was literally right next to the Brentford fans. Well, literally, there was no gap between me and the Brentford fans. And the view I had on that front post was that, ooh, that looks not good. That doesn't look good. That does not look good. It looks like a penalty. My issue is the referee's obviously given the corner because he's not sure. He's not sure, so he needs VAR to help him out. There's three words I'm going to say here, clear and obvious. And how long did it take? Yeah. Is that clear and obvious? I think I can understand why the referee's gone over to the monitor, but at that point, they're, they're just looking for it. They're looking for the foul. They're not looking at the whole picture. And I think you've got to look at I think it's very soft, if I'm honest. I think it's a harsh decision. At first, I thought it's a Stonewall penalty. I kind of, I'm going to accept it. There's, I don't know if Charlotte can remember, but there was like like screens above us and you could see every single decision, which was actually quite a good thing because we don't get that at St. James's at all. You can mm. actually see every single decision uh, pretty much all over for the fans in the, in the Brentford Stadium yesterday. But I looked at it going, that's really soft. If you're giving that in the box, you can give about 60 of them in a box. Yeah. Like it really was, but... Uh, what did they look at Stock at Stockley Park? How did they see a decision differently to when they see it live? I just think it, it's just really, really strange. And I, I don't know if Charlotte felt the same, but it it just seemed like there was two referees that in the first half, and we just didn't get the rub of the green for the majority of it. Yeah, Charlotte, how was how was the, that period for, for you in this game? <laughs> that period, I definitely didn't think it was a penalty. Um, I was slightly, Johnny, I seen your pictures. I think I was higher up, so kind of more looking down on the game. And I could see the distance between, obviously, Isaac comes running for this. Um, was it, is it Sade who, it was Sade? I don't know how you say it. Oh, yes, it was Rico Henry. Yeah, it was Rico Henry. Yeah, so 
he he kind of comes at it with his head. He's heading it back towards where it came from. He's heading it to the corner. The referee gave a corner. The referee said corner, but like that's fine. Corner for Brentford, um, and and that was fine. And then and then the VAR were like, oh no, actually we're going to have a look at this. It took absolutely fucking ages. Like I've been doing the um, match day editing this morning for our patrons and I've had to cut out like minutes and minutes of people just chattering because it took ages like that isn't clear and obvious Johnny's absolutely right you have to it has to be clear and obvious if you're going over there and thinking oh I'm not sure I'm not sure maybe maybe then it's not clear and obvious um and I just did not think it was a penalty um I think you know if it was against us we might feel slightly differently but I still I still I think it was the softest penalty ever and Johnny again is right um that th- those sorts of um challenges and tackles happen a hundred times a game in each box you can't be giving penalties for them all I think it's the softest thing ever it was a bit ridiculous the wait time was ridiculous and it just it does I know I, I like VAR because it disallowed the first Ivan Tony goal I don't like VAR because it did this but that is not what it's for. It's not for finding these problems. It's for checking and making sure. And I think somebody on Twitter said maybe there should be a time limit on how long they can look at these things. I kind of agree. Like if it's not if it's not um if you're not seeing it in the first minute of looking, then uh, uh, like let let the game go on. F- football is not rugby. It's not stop start. Mm. You football is so is so good because it's fast paced and it's amazing like that and we, that's what we want and I think that might be something that we need to look at I think it was Jamie Rubin put on Twitter that maybe after 60 seconds mm. if, if the referee if, it, if it's not if it's not clear and obvious then we move on and it, we will get the benefits of that we'll, we, we won't get the benefits of that I think I, I don't like mentioning other sports but I think one sport that do it pretty well is cricket in the sense that they've got the phrase umpires call and if they cut if it or umpires decision or something like that yeah. and if if it, if it's not conclusive, they will go with whatever whatever the referee in our yeah. case will go with, and that settles the debate whether we agree with the decision or not. Unfortunately, the man in the middle will will have that final decision. We just have to accept that decision. But we talk about v, VAR every single week, every single week. It doesn't have to be a Newcastle game; it could be any sort of game, and it needs sorting out. And I heard something through the week saying that referees apparently done really well this this season compared to last season. I'm I'm, I'm afraid I haven't seen it. I haven't I haven't personally seen that. I don't know if you have been. It's it's just propaganda and it? it's just trying to justify themselves. Like oh we're doing really well, but we get all the big decisions fucking wrong every fucking game. No, I mean it, it was just embarrassing. I mean the, the the biggest issue I've got is is as you as you have both correctly said, how can you say that was an obvious error from that fucking camera angle like? The, the angle, the the one shot that you've got is you can't even see if there's contact or not because mm. it's literally above the kind of behind and directly in line with the play. You can't see really what happens. I've, the only thing I can, the only the only reason I think it was given is because um, the ref is saying, I think he thinks it's like a, a bang, bang play where um, he you can see him speaking to, I think Trippier explaining the decision saying, initially, I think it's a corner because I think this act got there first. And I think what the VAR have said is, oh no, that Henry's won the header. So if there was contact, like you need to have a look at it. 
But then to go and look at the monitors and to to then like imagine something completely different to what you've seen, um, because from from one terrible camera angle, it's just as you both correctly say, it's not obvious, it's not clear. And and as Shaw said as well, that the actual contact, I don't even think Isak re- like makes any contact with him. The lad goes down holding his head; his foot's not anywhere near his head. Yeah. So it's it's just they've completely bought it. And, and the refs just panicked thinking, oh, well, I've, I've I've ran all the way up to the halfway line and we've spent 10 minutes watching this. I've got to give it because otherwise we'll just look incompetent if I don't. And um, I just think the whole the whole thing at the minute is just completely against referee. It's like trying to set them up to fail. Yeah. I mean, the, the the lack of angles that they've got to, to, to view these incidents, it's impossible to referee on that. And that's why I think they've just got to be sticking more with the the, the referee on the on the pitchers decisions more because they've seen what they've seen obviously if they if 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 he's if they're saying well actually we can clearly see what your vision of events is is wrong then you need to go and have a look at it but if by having a look at it, it doesn't clear that up then you've got to stick with the original decision i just think they're wasting so much time in it trying to nitpick things that just isn't there like it's just becoming a farce isn't it it massively is and i think the one thing i'll, I'll finish with this whole debacle let referees referee the game. And when it comes to people in VAR, they don't have to be referees. They don't have to be referees. Get people that are um, good enough to do the job and know VAR and how it works. And they don't because ha- they don't have to be refs. It doesn't have to be Michael Oliver. It doesn't have to be Andre Mariner doing it. Just needs to be someone with the, the beauty of sight. Exactly. With help. <laughs> like, like, I think because they got so engrossed, they must know the laws of the game. They must know the laws of the game. Well, that's what a referee needs to do. That's not what a VAR needs to do. A VAR needs to just help the referee. And you can you don't have to be a referee to help the referee. You just need to be I think just need to be smart. It's just it was really, really poor. And I can I, I think Eddie Howe would have had a lot more to say about it if we didn't win. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I thought he was very um very measured in the way he was uh, asked about those those incidents after the game. Uh, we'll talk about the other one in a moment. Um but yeah, I, I just it was used correctly for the Tony that that's what VAR's for. It was like, was he offside? Yes, yes, he was. Disallow goal, boom, done. It took about 30 seconds. It was pretty obvious. He was leaning in well well offside. That was just ridiculous. Just just quick down that, actually. The, the, we commented on it before. There was, I think, two other two other moments in the um, in the first half where they, like, they'd literally VAR had checked things before they'd even, like, happened, didn't they? Like, how quick were some of the... The non not given pens. Yeah, well, they were, the, they, the, they were the, saying on commentary like, "Oh, it's already been checked and it's not a penalty," and it was literally like, "Hang on a minute," the, like it's literally just happened. Yeah. So for for them to take as long as they did over some of the stuff, and then yeah. I mean, it was being used correctly in certain scenarios, but it's just the inconsistency is what yeah. straight isn't it? I wonder if like the only thing that was clear and obvious was that it should have been a goal kick, not a corner. Like it heads it out of play. Like so that is it because they've got that wrong, they're like, oh we'll better change the entire decision because a corner here is the worst possible thing we could give. Uh but yeah, disaster. Let let's talk about something more positive before then coming back to VAR because it Muller does about twenty minutes later. Um Charlotte, you must have had a pretty good view from your heightened uh seats uh, of Joe Linton's magical run to to get us back in this game. Now he left Ben Mee for dead. Uh, when he turned him inside out, and then yeah, he just did the right thing by smashing it across goal. But what was what was the view like from the stands for us getting back in this game? It was it was just mint. It was just there was just a different feel from the get go of the second half, and um, yeah, watching that happen, you kind of just felt, oh yeah, this is going to happen for us. Um, not necessarily a win, but but definitely getting something from this game. What I loved so much about that was this sort of 
uh, midfield, middle of the pitch, Joe Linton just smashing through people, um, including the keeper. It's technically an own goal, but he just like, it, there's just no chance for him. There's just no chance. It, Joe Linton's gigantic form, smashing the ball sort of into him and then into the, it almost went through his body. Um, so didn't have a chance and it was amazing. And then he comes running around the back of the goal straight over to the away fans and, uh, and starts like, uh, the word isn't goading, like, just like, like getting the away fans to make as much noise as possible. Um, it's, I just love how much these players love it and, and they love the away support and they, they love like scoring for us. It was absolutely class. It was the same after the ASAC goal, which, we're kind of running out of time to talk about, but I'm sure we will touch on. Um, there's just it was it was something very special. It, the the immediacy of him scoring, and then running over to us and everybody just going mental. It was amazing. It was a really really good twenty minutes. But I mean, it was just more, we've talked about Joe Linton in his position already, so we'll not go about it too much. But yeah, we we, we learned from Steve Bruce for two years that. Joe Linton with his back to goal, not so good. He's not, you're not going to get much out of him. Joe Linton back in midfield and, and driving forward through the defence is a totally different prospect. They were like, bloody hell, what is this rhinoceros coming at us? Like, Ben Mee, literally, he, ben Mee tries to dive off the pitch to, just to get out of the way. And uh, yeah, it was just, just class. And it was the start of like a really, really good 20-minute spell for us. Um, and you're right, Joe Linton seems to really get it that like in those moments, get the fans going, get everyone up for it. And then there was a lot of uh, chest beating and kind of, just screaming and it was like yeah, here we go lads this is the Newcastle that weren't there in the first half um and then yeah we, we just we started to batter them for, for 20 minutes but it was the it was the lads we talked about earlier Wilson and Isaac uh linking up nicely for goal number two Johnny you're nodding um enthusiastically so I'll come to you how was that second goal absolutely incredible and do you know what we saw the Isaac Wilson partnership come alive against Fulham if you remember rightly the first time and obviously mm. He's like got the winner late on, but my God, it worked so well. And the goal, obviously, the ball gets played on the right hand side. Wilson drives in, comes in on the, to the ed, towards the edge of the box, and just lays it off. And it's it's those sort of shots they probably do a hundred thousands and times in training over the years. And it was just perfect. Yeah. And yes, Thomas Frank, the sixty-three million pound striker, did put it in the top <laughs> bin because he's that good. Because he's a great, great footballer. Eight goals now for him. And the, the the away end went potty. It went absolutely potty, and I, 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 it was it was it was it was unbelievable. Someone said to me twenty minutes beforehand, "Oh, by the way, you're going to be two one up, and you're going to be quite comfortable." Isaac would have probably Isaac's going to make it two one with an absolute belter. I'd be like, "No, fifty fifty about that." But um, no, it was a great finish. It really was a great finish. But again, fair play to Callum Wilson. Again, I, I love the I love that partnership. I thought you know special praise to Callum Wilson as well. I I love the the the, the hold up play with him he bullied the center halves he got into them and gone do you know what we'll give you a bit of a tussle i'm gonna give you a bit of a fight as well um and it it, it worked it worked dividends and look i i just love watching alexander isaac in that hole he's got so yeah. much time and space and he's so good technically on the ball that he can link with your brunos your joe lintons your wilsons and there was about two or three times where if the pass was just a tad better wilson may have got a, may have got a goal a proper yeah. goal not the one that was chalked out again for VR, which I'm not going to mention. The oh, oh, we are. We oh, are. we are. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, look, amazing finish. That's why you, you know, Dan Ashworth went to Spain yeah. because he had to get they had to get somebody to fill that role. And 
eight goals and he hasn't really played a lot. Because you imagine if he played, if he got, if he didn't get injured, we we would be already talking about Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint Germain, and yeah. oh, I can't wait because it, it's it's that simple. He's that effective. He's that good. Mickey's got eleven goals. Wilson's got ten goals, and Isaac's got eight. Isaac will be our top goal scorer by the end of the season if he keeps on playing the way he is. I agree. I agree. I mean, Thomas Frank can say, "Oh well, yes, yeah, sixty-three million pound striker," but against three cent halves, he still found himself in loads of space. And you know, you might want to have a look at that, Thomas. Like mm. <laughs> um, that said, what you've just described is exactly why he's so good. He finds that space. He finds those pockets. And to be fair to Wilson, he also knew exactly where to find him with the pass. And it was just—it's a beautiful, beautiful bit of play. Uh, and you're right, Wilson nearly, nearly got the 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 deserved goal for his contribution to this game because he came off the bench and really ignited our our performance. I, I do want to say, by the way, I think that. Everyone else got better as well. I, I presume there was a bit of a bollock in at halftime from from Howe and Tyndall because the first half just wasn't good enough. And I imagine Mad Dog was going absolutely tits at them, saying that this isn't good enough. <laughs> you, need, you need to be better. But uh, yeah, uh, to, to to cap off that twenty minute spell where we were just just at them, uh, Callum Wilson gets a. I'm going to say it, a perfectly good goal chalked off a of VAR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ben, I'll come back to you for this because I do like to hear you rant about it. But it was exactly what you described. We're the richest league in the world, the Premier League, and we're, we're using VAR and video refereeing to, to make these decisions. And yet the only camera angles we can come up with is like a, a grainy shot from behind the goal, which is miles away. A one at the very top of the stand on the side. And it's like, well, we've got to make a decision off those two camera angles. Like, lads, if you're going to use VAR, invest in some cameras. Just right. stick like 20 strategic cameras around the pitch and make sure you're covering all the incidents. Otherwise, they've got no chance. But... They or, still or, made or the take, decision. Take it to social media because every dafty's got the phone out, video and everything <laughs> yeah. anyway. So you probably see better. Yeah, I mean, again, again though, I mean, you, <laughs> you're talking about the referees needing to know the rules. Like we've, we've been told any if the ball hits above the sleeve, then it's fine. What did that hit? Like yeah. above the sleeve. So yeah, I think they were just trying to uh, re- re-ref that game and, and kind of keep Brentford in at that point to keep it a, a, a spectacle. But um, yeah, per- I, I agree. Perfectly good goal. Um, it, it's just such a stupid rule anyway. I mean, I, it, it hits his arm, like the top of his arm, but he, he doesn't know anything about it. It ricochets up off a defender. Um, and and, and he, it, all it does is he instinctively hits him and he turns around and, and, and smashes it in. Like, I don't really see how he's like purposefully gained any benefit from that. And I, I just don't, yeah, I agree. It's a perfectly good goal. I don't see what's wrong with it, but fuck it, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, well, well <laughs> we say this every week, but there's another podcast and just VAR from this game again to be done um, and possibly more to talk about on on a review on our Patreon show. But um, Charlotte, it, it kind of it took a bit of a it took a bit of impetus out of us for the for the final sort of half an hour of that game. It got a little bit nervy. It certainly did for me and Ben watching up here. Um, in that last half now, we had to stand up. We had to be counted. We had to, um, you know, manage that game to its conclusion. Uh, how nervy was it in the stands and kind of uh, who who stood out for you in kind of make, seeing out that result uh, in, the, in the team? Yeah, it was a bit nervy in the stands, um, particularly for that, you know, four minutes out of time, um, maybe the, the 10 minutes before that. Um, the Wilson goal would have made it so much more comfortable, but wasn't to be because it hit his sleeve. And of course, that's completely illegal and we have to disallow goals for that. Um we um uh but it was it was a bit nervy in particular that very last sort of ten minutes including the um 
including the uh, five minutes or so at a time. The the standout for me was Anthony Gordon because he was hooked right at the end in that extra time, clearly as a time-wasting tactic, right? Um, but he was fucking furious. He was like visibly pissed off for being pulled off the, the pitch. It was clear why it had happened. It was just a time-wasting thing, but he was so angry and, um, and clearly like when the players came over to the away end after the match to applaud the um, travelling support, that um, how had Gordon, like, had his arm around Gordon and was talking to him because he was still annoyed or emotional about being hooked at that point, which I thought was really interesting. I kind of love that passion. Like, no, I want to see this out. Oh, please don't do this. I'm so annoyed you've done this. Um, and uh, But I think how did mention it afterwards and he said he needs to control his emotions, which is a bit... <laughs> Um, true, but seems harsh. <laughs> he was just gutted to have been pulled pulled off the pitch. But I think that just stood out for me because I think that typifies the ethos and the sort of mentality that our players have now of this like, no, I wanna be part of this, I wanna I wanna see this out, I want us to win, even though it was like a minute before the end of the the game and he was just doing it to waste time. I, th- I think the poor lad, to be fair to him, he's come over from Everton. He's not used to being on the pitch with winning sides. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think he was just gutted to be missing out on that opportunity to actually be <laughs> celebrating coming off the pitch. But bless him. He- he'll learn. Yeah. No, I, I know what it's like um, from my low standard of Sunday football that I play. When, you- when you're on the bench and, you- and you're not starting games and-, and, you- and you come on, you think you've played well. I can imagine the, the frustration he felt because he was really getting into when he's trying to justify a starting place, isn't he? However... It was literally mm-hmm. after the four minutes of a lot of stoppage time. It was just a, a way to waste 30 seconds. There was no point to it other than that. The game was pretty much done. And I think Howe's right. He's going to need to get that in check. I agree, Charlotte. I like the passion. I like that he's he just wants to be part of it. But yeah, come on, man. Like He needs to grow up a little bit. Johnny? I just want to quickly mention Nick Pope yesterday because mm. everyone talks about oh, he's not the best with his feet and X, Y, and Z. By God, he's great with his hands. He is great with his hands. And we <laughs> Personal experience there, Johnny? Or? Do, you, do you know what is, does, does he have a massage parlor on the side of something that we don't know about? Uh, all I'm saying, he's a keeper. He's a keeper. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, he's a great catch. No, um, wow. Any more? No, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, no, for me, great penalty save because Ivan Tony doesn't miss penalties, but Nick Pope's in goal. And for me, that was such a massive, massive moment. I also want to mention the fact that because he's six foot five or six foot six, and when he comes out and collects crosses or punches, and because of the fact Brentford had long throw after long throw after long throw, there was times where he did deal with it. Mm. I think there was only I can't one time where he came out and just didn't really deal with it, but it was like it was it wasn't like on the goal line, so it, it wasn't going to make make Newcastle concede. But there was a save that he made in the second half where there was, there was a free kick that came in, and it was towards the the, the far corner. Mm. That's what you want from your goalkeeper. Like even the save before Tony puts in the back of the net for yeah. the first goal, that was an unbelievable save. Right, like scoops it away and deserved that goal to be disallowed because it was such a good save. Mm-hmm. He was probably the, in my opinion, along with Isaac and Wilson's partnership in the second half, maybe Anthony Gordon because of his of his pace and how forefront he was. I think he was probably man of the match yesterday, and I think he was the main, probably probably just about the main reason why Newcastle United came away with three points yesterday because when you have a top goalkeeper you win games of football, they get you nine to ten points a season. That nine to ten points a season gets you in the Champions League, simple as that. 
yeah, no, he was outstanding, wasn't he? I mean, that, that you spot on. I was going to bring up those two two saves. The the one for the, the original disallowed goal is is a brilliant. He get kind of has to hoy himself back across goal and, and kind of claws it out at the back post. And then the second one, I think, was a Tony header kind of late on. And and he it's it's not just the fact that he gets down to kind of an awkward save, but he pu- pushes it away from goal and, and into safety and. Um, you're spot on. I mean, he, he commanded his area yesterday. He was brilliant. He kind of took a lot of pressure off 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 the defence when when we were giving so many um, set pieces away, and and that was definitely two 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 of the goal scoring opportunities that he's denied them from. And obviously, they they get those two. They they probably um, go on and win the game. So yeah, it was a massive massive performance from Pope, and um, I think it, it it was a massive performance for him. I mean, obviously, we know. The disappointment of him missing the final, and he's kind of he's he's made a couple of wobbly errors here and there. Obviously, the Wolves one will uh, will not dwell on, but he, he may, could have could have given a pen away there. And there's a couple of times where he's made mistakes, but he, he was brilliant yesterday. And and I think Newcastle owe him a lot to to get that three points yesterday. And uh, it's it's just like it's it's almost he's getting back to that form that he was in at the start of the season where he was literally like nobody could score against him and, and he was he was looking incredible. Um he's just such an assured presence at the back there and um he, he's a massive part of kind of that that defensive um stamp that we've we've gotten how good we look. Yeah. I thought the whole defence was excellent there, uh, to in that last twenty minutes where we really had to dig in. I thought Botman, despite the uh, the penalty incidents which could have thrown his confidence, he, he looked strong. He was he was winning balls, he was getting the things first, chair as well, uh, and Trippy obviously leading as he always does. So it was a really it was a really interesting game in terms of um just being shite first half, then just being unbelievable in attack for about twenty five minutes and then having to defend really well for the, the the remaining twenty minutes. It was a it was good to kind of see all of our all of our skills on show in that respect. So it was a a really, really good ninety minutes. Um we have run out of time here. Uh thank you very much, team, for a great podcast. Newcastle are flying high and we go to Aston Villa next week. Um expecting another win despite the fact that they've somehow found themselves in sixth so that should be a really big big occasion but yeah uh thanks very much everyone this has been the true faith podcast this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.